Well, it's really an honor to be able to share with you all today. Um, We've been talking about this series on prayer, I think, for months, and it's it's just something that's dear and dear to my heart um, and something that I'm passionate about sharing with everyone today. And when reflecting on prayer in my own life, um, I wanted to start out with a story for you all of something that happened in our life a while ago, and that's it's kind of a nice jumping off point into the rest of, of today's message. So it was about seven years ago that Allison and I went in for a 20-week ultrasound at the Toledo Hospital, and that confirmed that we were going to be having a baby girl. We were so excited, but then the doctor went on and told us that our baby girl had some very, very serious problems. He started telling us everything that was wrong with her, but that the three most difficult words to hear during that conversation was that our baby was going to be incompatible with life. We were in shock. The doctor began discussing our options. One, termination. The second, the baby will die naturally in the womb, and then we can deliver a stillbirth. The third option was that we can induce labor and be able to enjoy at least a couple days with her, maybe several days with her alive. But it was devastating to us because all three options ended with um, our baby dying. Well, we made the choice that day to carry our baby as far as long as possible and, and pray for a miracle. The next few weeks were a blur. Instead of going home from the ultrasound and registering for pink bedding, pink blankets, and girl clothes, we went home and began looking into baby caskets and funeral homes. We thought there, were, there must be some mistake. We saw three other doctors over the next couple weeks, and they were all in agreement that our baby girl probably had um, a fatal genetic chromosomal problem. And this was just shocking to me because I was like, you know, we'd go into the ultrasounds and we, we'd see, you know, a baby there. And then they'd come back and say, this isn't right. This isn't going to work. And in my heart, I'm just like, this can't be right. So we're like talking to all these doctors, just hoping for some sort of semblance of hope. And, you know, you're just like, come on, just say maybe, maybe. And they're just, it was just a no across the board, um, which was just sort of pretty wild. So weekly ultrasounds and doctor visits were done to monitor this pregnancy very carefully and honestly just to see if she was still alive each week. So we rejoiced at each ultrasound when we got to see her heart still beating, but were heartbroken in knowing that unless a miracle happened, we'd never be able to enjoy life with our daughter. Almost every night, Allison would drive to get ice cream because ice cream always made the baby kick a little bit, and then we'd know that she was still alive. On one drive to get ice cream, Allison said she was having a conversation with God and, and basically just asking him, begging him, God, what's going, what's going to happen here? She said to God that she knew he could do a miracle, but just didn't know if he would. She said she remembered God speaking to her heart and said, wait and see how I make this good. You see, we had already lost three babies before they were born. And we walk through seasons like this before with each, with each other and with Jesus, clinging to his hand with tears in our eyes and hope in our hearts. We didn't know what he meant by good, but we were comforted in knowing that God was going to be glorified in either 
her death or her life. Of course, as her parents, we were hoping for healing and hoping for a miracle, but we were willing to trust God in whatever the outcome. At the 25-week mark, we went back to the Toledo Hospital for more ultrasounds. At this visit, they took almost 200 pictures of our baby. We waited to see the doctor. This time, when the doctor walked in, he seemed lighthearted. He asked us, are you the couple that decided to wait and pray? Well, I have some good news for you. This time, her ultrasound pictures showed no physical deformations, and her fluid levels were totally healthy. We were in shock. Because up to that point, there's literally no hope, like, from a medical perspective that we were given. She was still so tiny and had to be watched very closely, but now seemed to have a chance to live. After several weeks of bed rest, countless visits to the hospital and ultrasounds, Ava Grace Armentano entered the world at 32 weeks, weighing just over two pounds. She was very small, but healthy. We got to bring our little peanut home after she spent five weeks in the NICU weighing just over three and a half pounds. We believe that God can do miracles, but as Tim shared last week, sometimes he has other plans. We grieved the loss of our three pregnancies, and we've rejoiced in the miracle of, do- of adopting two children and the birth of five children. Whether it be through my unanswered prayers or my answered prayers, I've learned that above everything else, the primary purpose of prayer is to deepen our relationship with God, to better know Him, and to trust Him. It's from the depths of that relationship alone that everything else in our life finds its purpose and its meaning. Everything God wants from us has everything to do with the relationship He wants with us. I'm going to say that again. Everything God wants from us, our time, our talent, our treasure, has everything to do with the relationship he wants with us. Like Greg sang in that song, he didn't want heaven without us, so he came down to get us. My message today is about the importance of communication, communication and specifically the role of conversational prayer that conversational prayer plays in deepening our relationship with God. Like any parent that loves their children, God wants a relationship with you, his child, and prayer is the way that you communicate and interact with them. Healthy communication helps us to know each other and to be known by each other. It helps us to learn about each other and work with each other productively. I want you to think about how communication or the lack of communication can either build up or tear down the following relationships. A marriage. A parent and child. Friendships. Coaching. Leading others. And a relationship with God. Now I want you to think about the absolute best relationship you've ever had and what ingredients made it so special. Was it about learning as many facts as possible about the person? Was it about admiring stories you've heard about the person? We all know that learning about someone is part of, de- of, de- of a developing relationship, but we know there's so much more to it. 
You can make it your aim to know everything there is to know about theology and the Bible and completely neglect the purpose of it all, which is a relationship with God. On the flip side, you could focus only on relationship, but without knowing the Bible and the character and heart of God, your relationship could be a complete fantasy where you, are, where you create God in your own image. Both knowledge about God through Bible study and relationship with God through prayer are crucial. Prayer activates your relationship with God and changes your faith from the study about someone to a life lived with someone. It's like going from reading journals your friend or spouse wrote long ago to actually living life in the here and now with that person. God designed everything in your life to flow from the relationship you have with him. I want to ask you this morning to check in on that relationship in the same way that you would do with the people you care about. You see, prayer is ongoing communication through heart-level conversations with God in every part of our life. Not just specific prayer times, but Paul actually encourages us to pray without stopping. And I'm going to zoom in on that today. The Bible is clear that having dedicated times of focused communication with God, individually or in groups of people, is an important part of the prayerful life. Just as date nights and one-on-one focused conversations with those that we care about are important to building up our human relationships. But we all know there's more to it than that. In prayer, we can hear about what God is doing in our lives. What is he doing in the community around us? And what is he asking us to join into? God is always on the move. Whether we're sedentary or not, he's always on the move. Building his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants you, me, and his church to be a part of the building process. So before we dive into what that looks like, let's first marvel on this truth. The God of the universe wants to spend time with you right now and have conversations with you throughout the day. His desire for you is to know him more, enjoy him more, and invite others to know and enjoy him through Jesus Christ. You see, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. He actually gets more glory when we enjoy him. And he wants us to feel the joy that is possible from spending quality time with him. I get a tiny taste of the glory God experiences when I come home for lunch and my two-year-old Danny comes barreling at me, yelling with excitement that daddy's home. I can't explain how happy this makes me. And I can imagine God feeling something similar when we approach him with that kind of excitement. He gets so amped that um, when I get home from lunch, that he'll literally, can't, he can't contain his excitement. Um, he gets so pumped, I'm home, and he just starts taking off his clothes and starts dancing around the house and com- completely unashamed. And it's, and it's like, dude, I come home every day for lunch. Like, this isn't like a once-in-every-month thing. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And I understand that where, when that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him because there's something special about wanting to be wanted, wanting to be loved. And God doesn't need it. He's got the Trinity. He's good. But he loves his children. He wants us to get excited about him. 
Um, it, you know, this story of Danny actually reminds me of what happened in 2 Samuel when King David, like Danny, made a similar decision to bear it all. And here's what the Bible says about that. It says, David returned home to bless his family. Michal, Saul's daughter, came out to greet him. How wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today, exposing himself to the eyes of the servant maids like some burlesque dancer. David replied to Michal, In God's presence, I'll dance all I want. He chose me over your father and the rest of your family, and he made me prince over God's people, over Israel. Oh yes, I'll dance to God's glory, more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. (laughs) That's just such a cool image. I mean, not David naked dancing. But the excitement and and the nature of just feeling unashamed of how much we love God and how excited we are to meet with him and how great he is. It's exciting that God chose you to be his child and that he wants to see us run to him with excitement when we're amped to spend time with him. And then to soak his shoulder with our tears when we're sad and we can receive his comfort. So prayer prayer isn't designed to be a burden or a guilt thing, but a time of relationship building and a growth thing. The Bible tells us about God's heart for us and what great lengths he personally went to to restore a relationship, which was completely broken. Through 66 books of the Bible written over thousands of years, it miraculously tells a single story of how God went to great lengths to redeem and adopt us back to his family through the rescue mission of Jesus. His perfect life, death, and resurrection, which gives us life, is all we need to know about the heart of God towards us. Prayer is the language he designed for us to speak with him. The Bible tells us Bible tells us God's awesome. <laughs> so if a prayerful life about healthy communication with God, if that's what it's all about, um, communication with God, creating this healthy life with him, you know, what might healthy communication with my wife look like if I were to design it? Like, what would it look like? Here, here's, here's just an idea. Would it look something like this? Okay, I'm going to design this great relationship plan. So I'm only going to speak to her two or three times a day. I'm going to make sure to thank her before every meal. Approximately for 30 seconds. Well, at least before dinner for sure. I'll probably say it the exact same way each time so I don't screw it up. Next, right before bed, if I'm not too tired, I'm going to thank her again for a few more things and tell her how good, and tell her have a good night. If I feel like our relationship needs a real boost... Then uh, I might wake up early once in a while and talk to her for a few minutes um, before I get off to work just to make sure we're good. Finally, on Sundays, this is a really neat part of my plan, I'm going to get a bunch of our friends together and we'll all tell her how great she is for about one hour. We may sing songs. Other than that, I don't think there's much else to do because that's pretty much all we need to like grow this thing. Um, This kind of well-structured communication plan should set us up for doing life well together. In the context of creating and cultivating a healthy marriage, we all know this plan would be horrible. 
if anyone is currently doing this plan, please email kyle at bgcovenant.org and, and just ask him for some help. We know it includes more depth, even more depth than I have time to go into today. But like a beautiful song, it includes well-placed notes, melodies, and a resounding chorus. Early morning coffee dates before the kids wake up, smiling at one another, making the words I love you as, as fundamental as breathing, disagreeing without attacks, giving grace to one another as we've been given grace by God, listening, observing, knowing what the will of the other person is and just doing it without having to be told. When you know someone deeply loves and cares for you, you can work productively with that person in just about any circumstance. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. His relationship with the Father was so in sync that his every move was in line with what he saw his Father doing. When I took Evan to Cedar Point last summer, he followed me closely. He let me lead him. He only did what he saw me doing because he knew it was in his best interest. I led us around the park and we had an awesome time going on tons of roller coasters. I knew what Evan enjoyed because I spent time with him. We spent time together. He didn't have to tell me because I knew. Evan knew his greatest joy would come through submitting to me that day and letting me lead him. And that should be our posture toward God every day. In prayer, we can ask, what are you doing today? Where are we going next? When we spend time with God, he tells us what he's doing, and we get to join him in the adventures. Like Evan, when we choose to hold God's hand and let him take the lead in our own lives, he promises a much fuller life than we could ever conceive on our own. As we know, it's not a safe life, but it's going to be the most full life. The Greek word for this kind of full, abundant, eternal, God-sized kind of life is Zoe. One reason we named our baby Zoe is because every time we say her name, it's a constant reminder of the kind of full life God invites us into if we choose to follow him by lovingly trusting him and letting him lead us. So what does healthy communication with God look like on a daily basis? I love what Paul says about it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning just unpacking this verse in incredibly practical ways. When Paul ends a sentence with, This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, I'm all ears. If anyone asks you what's the will of God for them, you can at least point them to this verse so that they can take a deeper dive into what Paul's saying. Paul lays out three action items that he says should always be present in the lives of Christ followers. The first is rejoice always. So when Paul tells us to rejoice always, he isn't telling us to ignore sadness, fake it, ignore the injustice in the world. But he's establishing the supreme justice of Christ and that our joy is ultimately rooted in the eternal saving work of Jesus. Rejoicing is when we praise him for who he is and what he's done apart from anything he's done for us. 
it's through this saving lens that we can always rejoice. What might this practically look like on a typical day? Well, when you wake up in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, you can take a minute while laying in bed to praise Jesus for the resurrection that enables you to forever wake up and never have to taste the sting of death from now until forever. I actually really love this idea of falling asleep and waking up every day as like almost like a mini death and resurrection where it's sort of like, it's just a great reminder to be like, you know, we fell asleep, we woke up. And just to think about Jesus in that same way that his resurrection allows us to wake up every day and never have to taste that ultimate sting. When you're eating breakfast, take a minute to rejoice that Jesus is the bread of life, which we have eternal life, and that our souls will never go hungry. When you're driving to your place of work, you can rejoice that Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf set us free from sin and death and brought us into relationship with him and had to have everlasting life. Next, we're encouraged to pray without ceasing. In other words, always be aware that God is present and ready to communicate. This is possibly one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. This establishes the ongoing conversational lifestyle of prayer God wants for us. Rather than five minutes here, five minutes there, feeling guilty if we miss it, it's all-encompassing and embodies healthy communication in every area of life. This idea should actually be a relief to us because God designed us to communicate with him anywhere, anytime. You can't miss it. And since he's not limited by time and space, he's always available. Now, he might speak a word to your spirit like, let's spend tomorrow morning together without distractions. And we need to hear that because we all know this world is full of distractions and he wants to spend time with us, distraction-free. At any point throughout the day, you can ask him to show you what kingdom work he's doing around you and what you can participate in. It could be anything from buying the person's coffee behind you in line to helping a friend in need to being a good listener and a shoulder to cry on for someone that's grieving. The options to get involved in kingdom work are endless if we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and an open heart to follow him where he's leading us each and every day. On your way home from work, you can have a chat with God in the car about what's on your mind like, like you would a best friend in the passenger seat. You know, quiet time is at a premium in our culture, so we have to be intentional about finding rhythms in our daily lives. We can get it. Prayer without ceasing is simply ongoing communication with God wherever you are and inviting him to speak into your life at any time, which leads me to my final point in Paul's direction. Give thanks in all circumstances. So rejoicing is about praising God for who he is and what he's done apart from what he's done for us. Thanking God is being constantly aware and thankful for everything he's done for us. You know, I think busyness, you know, you hear this in our culture all the time. I'm busy, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. But I think busyness is a state of mind and it's the enemy of a thankful heart. Nothing illuminated this truth for me more than the time I was paralyzed and in the hospital for several months. 
I'll share more about that entire story some other time because it's a long story and it's crazy. Um, but about seven years ago, I had almost died and I lost all ability to move because of a brain and spinal cord infection. Those who are very close to me remember that time like it was yesterday. When you can't move a muscle, any notion of being too busy and in control of your life just gets thrown out the window. I realized through that time that control is an illusion. And instead of fighting for control, I surrendered to thanksgiving. I was thankful for the nurses that lifted me onto my wheelchair, for my friends and family that prayed for me and visited me, for my wife who was always encouraging me and cheering me on, for the first time I could move my legs a centimeter. What I became most deeply thankful for during that time as I laid completely still, unable to move, was for my Savior who suffered and died for my sins and for your sins so that we could all know him forever. Did I mention this crazy thing happened right after the miracle with Ava? It's a pretty wild season. It's like Ava paralyzed ah, seven years ago. Talk about an intense season. But that season instilled in me a deeper sense of thanksgiving to God in my heart and helped me realize all that I have to be thankful for and to not sweat the small stuff ever again. I still have days when the small stuff creeps in to steal my joy, but they're short-lived. Thank the Lord. Now I look around and I notice things, things to be thankful for every day. When I wake up, to my walk into work, to my lunches at home with Allison and Danny, to a thousand other things when I just look around and notice them. You know, I think thankfulness is, the, is a medicine for our weary and tired souls. I hope what I shared today encourages you that praying without ceasing is possible and is the life God wants for us. He wants us to be a praying people. He's always available and ready to communicate with us. He wants to hear from you and for you to listen to him. He wants relationship with you. At the core of any struggling relationship, whether it be with a friend or a spouse or a child, it's a breakdown in communication. Conversely, if you look at any healthy relationship, there is healthy, ongoing communication. Healthy communication isn't just talking with someone. It's actively listening, observing, learning about the person, and knowing what they want even before asking them. Take an honest look at your relationship with God this morning. Have you been ignoring him in your life? Have you taken it for granted? Make today the day that you and him rekindle that relationship and start that ongoing conversation. Or if you've never known him and you want to start that relationship for the first time, you can start that today. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. What the Bible is saying is that if you believe Jesus died for your sins and you want him to be the Savior, Lord, and leader of your life and not you, then let him know that today in a conversational prayer right now. 
If you choose to do that, then today could be your first communion. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. Over the next three songs, you'll have the opportunity to come forward. Take the bread on the tables and dip it into the cup, the bread representing Jesus' body that was broken for you. And the cup representing the blood that was shed for you so that you could be with him in relationship forever. It's through that work of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we are made holy, righteous, and redeemed. I think there's a song about that, actually. If you're still on the faith journey and you're not quite there yet, that's fine. This is the right place to be. Just enjoy the music during this time and stay open to what God is speaking to you. So I want to encourage everyone to start or continue in healthy communication habits with God, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen? Will you stand with me?